Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to experience the Gut Check Project, talking science, health, and innovation that you can actually use. But this isn't just another health show. No, no. We're here to have fun and make your time enjoyable. And you like to have fun, right? Well, while you are enjoying yourself, know that even though the GCP covers some health topics with healthcare pros, we are not your doctors. So use our show to entertain your mind and not for medical advice. And now, here are your hosts of the Gut Check Project, Dr. Ken Brown and Eric Rieger. Hello, Gut Check Project fans and KBMD Health family. I'm your host of the Gut Check Project, Eric Rieger, joined by this gentleman, Dr. Kenneth Brown. Ken, we have an awesome guest today. You want to tell us about him? We do. This is going to be really cool. He has an incredible story and has done remarkable things and continues to grow, and he's just expanding. His name is Ollie Matthews. He is a health optimization coach, functional medicine practitioner, and nutritionist, and he is also an author of The One Day Body Upgrade. And real short, he's about ready to launch his Optimal Man podcast and Optimal Man Club. So you got a lot going on, Ollie, and I yeah. love your backstory and everything. And I think everybody at the Get Check Project is going to love hearing everything you have to say. Welcome. I appreciate it. Th thank you for having me. You want to go ahead? Well, first of all, when Ollie got connected, reconnected, I should say, with uh, Ken and I, we share several friends uh, between us. And... We've had each other's names and just never met. So this is already exciting for me. I feel like that I've won just by having you on the show. Yeah, Ali, it was pretty funny because as I was trying to do a little homework on you, Eric's like, hey, we're friends on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm never on stinking Facebook. So I thought that was really interesting. I looked, it was like, not only are we friends, we have 120 of the same people that we know between us. Yeah. I, I feel like that we go yeah. way back. <laughs> It's like that we're pretty close there, but it's just never been in that same place at the same time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hey, so just to kind of get us uh, uh, off and rolling about what it is that you do, I know that you've had uh, some experience in helping people who deal with high stress environments uh, maintain their health. And I've heard uh, I've heard you on other shows where you've talked extensively about things that Ken and I love to discuss, which is how your cortisol is going to affect your HPA axis and, and the different manifestations that can happen if you don't have stress under control. So why don't you kind of talk a little bit about how that was your entry level to help people who have either entrepreneurial ventures or just different stresses in life to get the most out of their health? Definitely. We, we have the phrase that actually coined with, with a, guy, a guy we just said about Stephen Kuhn. And uh, I was actually at one of these baby bathwater retreats and we were doing a live and it just said, your body is your business. Without a sustainable body, we haven't got a sustainable or scalable business. And you, you're on this private retreat with multiple entrepreneurs and just there with your actual ideal client. And you start seeing so many times that people are close to burning out because of the lifestyles they have when basically they're let off the leash, right? Because all the stress is like gone, they say, but now we're going to have all the alcohol and so on. And since that day, I've really been focusing on working with entrepreneurs, with CEOs, busy, busy, busy business owners that are on the route to burning out. But the trouble is most of us driven guys and women as well, we'll push our health to the side. I've been guilty of it in the past and I'm in the health industry and I'm sure you guys have, have had times when it's like, we need to get this launch done, then I'll fix this and so on. It's like, we think that we're unstoppable. We're unbreakable. We're this invincible human being. 
And before we know it, we have signs of burning out, but we still don't want to do anything about it. And then suddenly we, we literally get stepped back because, I don't know, may, maybe someone's had a heart attack or I heard one of my friends, 28 years old, had a stroke from building multiple businesses and stress after stress after stress. 28 years old, someone who's in the health industry. And we have all these signs of burning out, but we just we just hide them. And that was when I really started diving in. I'd been in the industry since 2006 started off as a personal trainer, then went into performance nutrition with a professional cyclist, had someone uh, who'd been in the Tour de France working on the the World Cycling Championships, working on uh, the Ultraman compared to a a guy that won the actual World Championships, like these extreme professional athletes. And it was great. It was an ego check. It was getting them A to B as fast as possible. We'll worry about health later because winning is what pays their bills. And then I started working with these entrepreneurs. In fact, one of the first guys in 2015, he's still my client now. I'm going to speak at his event in San Antonio. Uh, He actually introduced me to the baby bathwater guys. And it reminded me of what my dad needed when I was younger. And my dad passed away when he was 47. I was 15. Mm. And I always looked at this role model that was there providing for us. This, this guy that you look up to that he's, he's invincible. He's the Superman. He, he's this person. We, we look at that hopefully with, with, with our parents, but he was having migraines. He was having sleep issues. There were signs that he was stressed out. He was constantly working and he went into, or went to a work course and had a migraine on the Monday, went into hospital, uh, had a stroke. I believe it was the Wednesday or Thursday. And then on the Saturday, we had to turn off his life support machine. At 47 years old, that wasn't a guy that's overweight. We're ignoring these signs. And essentially, when I got back to working with uh, one of the guys that I worked with just after his 50th birthday, I was at his house in Nashville. And I realized that I couldn't help my dad, but I could do every single thing I can to at least help one person at a time as much as possible to stop them ending up like my dad. And there are so many people out there that I see on a day-to-day basis that are seriously burning out. I feel that once we admit that, we can start to change things. Man, that's... Do you think that there's something about the system itself or due to social media or whatever, but you mentioned people in the fitness industry burning out. And it's... Do you think that there's something going on in this space that is like a pressure cooker? I think there's a lack of honesty about when we look at the fitness, we look at social media as such, the pressure to actually always have this polished life, always winning and winning and winning. And and rather than actually having the truth of what people go through day to day. And I like to think that I'm quite honest about things on social media. So that when, I mean, I, one of the things I've done is have an intensive where I go and stay with clients for a week, which has been awesome to actually know that they can implement everything and there's no hiding. So if I'm fake on social media, then I'm going to come across as uh, someone else when someone meets me, right? You can't be someone different for seven days straight. And I think that the whole industry seems to be more and more about looks rather than feels and also about doing more. How many times have we had people come to us that can't work out 
once or twice a week. They're struggling to get their food in. Uh, and they show signs that their gut is just all over the show, They're just not healthy at all. So what do they want to do? They're in this entrepreneurial world. They're pushing their business. They're, they're really successful in that world. They want to go straight into a 75 hard protocol or something like that. And the that protocol, it's like twice a day workouts, reading, drinking, following a diet. And I don't know the 100% ins and outs at this moment, but if you can't work out twice a week, why try and work out 14 times a week? And you fall off and essentially then there's excuses to say, I haven't got time. I'm not able to do this. I'm not able to do that. And I think there's pressure on because of social media to live up to those expectations. I think that's interesting because you have these type A entrepreneur types and then you have this, every time you turn on your phone, this visual of what you want to do. I do the same thing. I look at some of these guys. I'm like, oh my gosh, look at that. There's so lean in all this. And I think that that's the perfect recipe for somebody not trying to make small lifestyle changes, but as I do, just jump in. Go like, oh, okay. Because like, we, like yeah. when you say like, I'm like that. I'm going to go, I haven't worked out in three months. I'm doing this 75 hard. Let's do this. Yep. Yeah. Trying I've to- had one client tell me he wants to do it recently. I've been working with him a long time and I said, don't do it. You don't need to do it. You're progressing. And he'd done it. And I said, he'd done it. He got about four or five days in and went, I'll do a modified 75. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. And then he got five days into that. And I'm like, look, just do sustainable, like 75 easy or something. Let's just do the smallest thing we can do. Like if we see someone and we do blood tests and maybe we have some different labs on there and we see some severe things going on, but there, there's, maybe there's like leaky guts and autoimmune going on. And we know that it's going to be quite a harsh protocol that they need to follow, but we can chuck all the supplements at them and all the lifestyle changes. Is that going to add more stress? Or if we put some supplements in at a time, like in the best way, ideally would get all the supplements in and, and the right protocol, everything at once. But would we then be overwhelming them with everything they need to do? If they've also got this other busy thing going on and, I've personally seen best results of getting the things that are there to support in place as minimum as possible and then add things on afterwards. Yes, the more extreme cases are going to be harder to to deal with and, and take that exact approach. But if someone's struggling so much to, to train and, and get their diet completely right and cook all their food, then just start with, with, with if they're needing an omega-3 supplement or something like that. Like we're going really back to basics here. That's the one thing they have. Let's win on that and then put another thing on top of it and another thing on top of that. And I've found much more success longer term, but it's getting the people to trust that way in the first place. Because the amount of times you start with people and then they say, can I do this? Can I do that? Or they get some some different biohack or anything and they, then they want to spend thousands on different saunas and things like that. And big filtration, ice baths and things. And like, do we need these things? Uh, yes, they could be a benefit. And I always say that there's three levels to what people do. And we see 80% of the things are just getting good nutrition in from real food, sleeping and waking at similar times, light exposure, doing some breathing just techniques for, for good management and getting some movement in without smashing it. Then we get around 10, 15% of results from maybe, maybe we want to be a bit more specific, try a little bit of intermittent fasting, maybe like if they've got 
some okay glucose management at the time, like a couple of different supplements in there. And maybe there's a different training plan they have to follow, just something a bit more specific. And then there's this 5%. And that's the sexy stuff. Most people don't even need that sexy stuff that is cool to shout about on social media. That 5% that is literally like that ice bath every single day, that infrared sauna, like the really more extreme stuff, doing the 75 hard, all those things. Do we need to get to that point to have good health? That's the optimizational side, right? Definitely. So <clears throat> those, you kind of walked us through that there, there are basic ways to enter. There are then the intermediate things to add on. And then just like you said, the sexy things, the cold plunges and, and, and uh, daily sauna. And basically you're going to find yourself a spectrum or you find yourself somewhere on that spectrum of where you can enter to maintain yep. health. But before we get there, let's say that you just find an entrepreneur or somebody who is just simply trying to better their health so that they can, they can really be their best at what it is that they're trying to achieve. And they're obviously they're ignoring their health. You mentioned your dad and the migraine. You also mm -hmm. earlier had mentioned that, you know, you get together and you drink alcohol or whatever. What are some of the warning signs that someone who is probably going through a chronic stressful uh, setup to fatigue that they're not recognizing? Maybe they're drinking a little bit more. Maybe they're a little more agitated with, with people that they're not typically agitated with. What are the signs that you get, Ollie, when you can say, okay, are you dealing with these things? This probably means that we need to recenter or whatever kind of words that you use to get you back on a better health trajectory. I would say one of the most common ones is waking up during the night to go to the toilet multiple times. So many people are doing it and then they'll say it's age or I just drink a lot before bed. And yeah, it might be you're drinking a lot before bed, but if you still like stop drinking a couple of hours before bed and just sit for a little bit, if you need it for first, hopefully you're hydrated enough. Are you still waking up? And uh, then people will say, well, my baby wakes me up. Toddlers wake me up. The kids wake me up. But what about when they don't wake you up? Are you still sleeping all the way through the night? And people think that it's normal to wake up multiple times, right? Thinking that it's normal, but it's common. And we're mistaken common for normal. Just because something is common does not make it normal. And we're seeing that. Then it leads to the morning, feeling tired. We're not having that cortisol awakening response, as we mentioned cortisol can I, earlier. Can I just ask so, you real quick, since you said that sleep was the first part and waking up, and you said that this could be the first signs of somebody that is like getting to a burnout position. Is it just that while they're sleeping due to their own stress or racing mind or anything, they're not getting into these various waves of sleep, which then in a lighter state, they just go, I'd better get up and go to the bathroom or whatever. Yeah. I mean, if you track, um, sleep, whether it's aura, Garmin, whoop, whatever means we have to track it. And however accurate it is, we're probably seeing that we're not getting into the deeper stages, uh, the REM sleep uh, and getting restorative levels of sleep. It's just being very light. Now I've seen when it comes to tracking food, uh, food, sleep, sorry. I've seen different things compared to people using the same methods of tracking, but 
when we sleep in the same bed as someone with our partners, it's like impacting the tracking. I don't know what you guys have seen on that. Uh, and I've had it as well that it says I'm jiffling and like I'm moving around and all this sort of stuff. And I'm, I'm not really, because when my wife, like if we're sick, we'll sleep in different beds, but then my, my sleep scores are going down. And I'm like, you're impacting my sleep scores. But um, <laughs> I think like it depends on what you're using on that and how, how accurate they are. I've also, I'm still using an aura too. It does everything that I need to do, but I've heard that the algorithm on the aura three isn't as good as it used to be. I don't know as the ins and outs of that, but we all find a method we can, but I, I find pretty much all the time, the waking up incidents is down to glucose management. Oh, interesting. Most, okay. most of the time. And I've used multiple constant glucose meters with people. And we see just a slight drop in, in glucose. And we know that the brain requires as glucose as its main source of fuel. So when we have drops in glucose, the brain is thinking that we, we need some fuel. What's well, one of cortisol's main tasks to uh, boost glucose so we can fuel the brain, right? And um, if that's happening during the night, that's going to boost cortisol, which is going to wake us up because we have this should have this higher spike of cortisol in the morning to wake us up. So we're doing that in the middle of the night. Chances are you, you're going through, hopefully going through a detox process in the night, um, cellular regeneration and everything like that. And we then end up needing to go to the toilet. Hmm. I, I, that's what I've seen a lot as a practitioner. I can't comment on multiple other practitioners, but when I've spoken to, to people, one of the most common reasons for waking up, slight dip in glucose that we see. If you've got a manual glucometer, it's harder to check because you're already yeah. woken by the time you do it. But wearing a constant glucose monitor, I've seen that sort of thing multiple times in clients that we have this dip. Interesting. So would that would lend itself, <clears throat> excuse me, that lend itself also to the idea that drinking alcohol is going to interrupt sleep uh, long-term, obviously because of the waxing and waning of glucose levels that goes along with metabolizing alcohol. Yeah. You're going to, it's not just that. Then if we look at like actual cell health from, from drinking alcohol longer term, are we going to have healthy mitochondria and then actually be able to produce the right levels of ATP to actually fuel brain function through the night if if we're having this alcohol and this this toxin in our body i mean i i don't drink so i don't like the taste of it but i see so many people that are drinking and they're knocking themselves out but then they're not getting restorative levels of sleep at all yeah you were i interrupted you two two quick comments that i don't remember what aura ring i had but i quit wearing it because i'd wake up and i'd obsess about not getting enough i'm like well i feel great but yeah. the aura ring says that i didn't get any deep sleep and then i'd get angry and go oh dang it i actually had to quit wearing it because i'd get too obsessed with it there's uh, some studies showing that now right with yeah. obsessions over yeah. wearables yeah um i i interrupted you because i wanted to really dial down in on that sleep and thank you for doing that and actually explaining it with the the whole dip in glucose there that's very fascinating then you said then they wake up and where does that person go from there? They didn't have a good night's sleep. They wake up. And how does this play into the whole burnout? 
Well, we look at um, if you look at like a cortisol awakening response test, like whether they're loads like really accurate, how many times you have to do them, and so on. Like um, for that day, they're going to be accurate for that specific day. We want to see a boost in cortisol to wake us up. Now, the first thing I see with people is that, well, I don't see it, I hear from them, is that they're not waking up and getting out of bed straight away. They're hitting that snooze button. So we then have these false starts. So if we, we think about cortisol, we need this rise of cortisol, and then it goes down and should stay down for the rest of the day, and then melatonin levels go up later on. If we look at like proper diurnal cortisol rhythm. And we're not seeing this rise enough. And then what happens is your body wakes up, say you wake up at 6 a.m. and you think this cortisol is going to kick us in, but then you hit the snooze button for 15 minutes and it's like this false start. And it's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, oh, no, I'm going to hold back. I'm going to go, no, I'm going to hold back. And not just that, people are waking up and sleeping at different times. So essentially so uh, socially jet-lagged. Is, is the term that's coined for it. Oh, I like that. Socially yeah. jet-lagged. Good. Yeah. There's a book called, uh, by uh, Dr. Sashin Panda, and it's the Circadian Code. Yeah, Circadian, circadian Code. And he coins the term social jet-lag, talking about how people are going to sleep Monday to Friday or Monday to Thursday, same time, trying to wake up Monday to Friday, the same time. But Friday night, they'll end up going to sleep a little bit later and they'll wake up later on a Saturday. Saturday night, they might even go a little bit later, wake up later on a Sunday, then trying to get to sleep Sunday night early, but they can't. Their body's essentially in a different time zone, jet lagged, and they then are fatigued in the morning. So they try and get up. And when they do get up, they don't have that energy What's the first thing we want to do when we get energy or when we get up and don't have energy? We want to grab coffee, usually caffeine. And um, what happens then is if we have the caffeine too soon and we don't have these, uh, we have the adenosine receptors that bind to, uh, the, or adenosine that binds to adenosine receptors, we need them to bind there. Caffeine will bind to these receptors if we, we have that too early and then the adenosine is still there. So when caffeine then wears off, then we end up that we're still tired. And I've literally seen people that have afternoon energy dips. We just cut caffeine out for like 90 minutes, two hours. Their energy dips go away. It's not to say you can't have caffeine first thing. If you're sleeping through the night, fine. But but I don't want to demonize that. And again, the same with glucose meters. Do we have to wear glucose meters? No, we can look at symptomology, but I like to be a bit more accurate with people to make sure we're doing the right things, wear them for a little bit. Then we go on, like we look at the aura rings, right? We said about you were getting worried about, like we have to also use a bit of common sense when looking at symptoms. Like, And we've got a lot of technology. We've got some great technology. But as you say, that if an aura ring is telling you you feel bad, but you actually feel good, (laughs) there's going to be some placebo effect going on there and we start to feel bad. Exactly, exactly. I agree with that. So let's say that you engage with someone and you've helped them identify that they, they probably are suffering from some element of chronic fatigue and this, and their stress is more or less holding them back. They've got, they've got a business goal 
an entrepreneurial goal or a life goal, and they're unfortunately not seeing that they're leaving behind their health. And it's probably what's preventing them from getting over a, a few of those humps on the way to that goal. So you talked a little bit about, you know, the the low entry point, the mid entry point, and then the the sexy things to add on top. What's it like to work with you and in, in your program? And what should someone expect if they were to to kind of go through through this? What 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 do they tend to experience first? I guess it would be case by case, but what what do you think that they they discover about themselves? I feel a lot of people think they're performing at optimal levels and, uh, and really feeling good, but they don't know what good feels like until they've actually done some work deeper on their health and started to push forward with things. And it's that time machine side of things. If we had a time machine, then everyone would sign up straight like that. Now they're going to do the work, do the work, feel great, and then be able to go ahead and do it. I like to see a full blood panel just to see where, when we look at red blood cells, white blood cells, um, see if there's any signs of inflammation or infection, uh, look at thyroid, look at testosterone. And, and I, I deal with a lot more guys than I still have women on, on a one-to-one basis, but um, I still feel it's important to see testosterone with women, but looking at a full testosterone panel with men, total and free testosterone um, with luteinizing hormone, follicular stimulating hormone, prolactin and everything like that, those sorts of markers in there. Um, because so many times I've seen people that have okay total testosterone, but their sex hormone binding globulin is high and um, their free testosterone is really low, but they've been to their like standard over here, the GP and, and the NHS, and they've done this total testosterone, not a full test and just been told your testosterone's fine. And so we're looking at them. We'll look at liver markers on there. But also I do a questionnaire, which is, is symptomology. So it's not a medical diagnosis. It's zero, one, two, three, based on brain health and gut health, which will tell us some things of cold hands and feet, uh, brain fog, poor memory, oh, do we need to look on circulation, um, poor blood glucose management, vagal tone, stress, like brain immune axis, these, these sorts of things, like these are kind of places we need to start looking at and asking the right questions about their lifestyle and symptoms. So I go for a full screening with them and depending on what we see on there and looking at their lifestyle history, I think this is something I used to miss really asking questions about their hist history, the historical medical data and family as well, uh, up until a few years ago, is that we look at health that we're here right now. I'm 37 years old. My health has been all the way up to this point. But then also my mum and dad's health um, when I was conceived and then the nine months after. But even before that, my grandparents' health, transgenerational uh, health side of things, has there been autoimmune in there? Like, what did people die of? And yes, genetics are a big, big thing. And I always say, and I'm sure you guys have heard it as well, that genetics load the gun, but our environment and lifestyle pulls the trigger. So, but it's good to know what our gun is loaded with so that if we're heading towards this way, um, we can do something about it. So we do an onboard and we do the screening. And then what I like to do, rather than just here's what you need to do. Here's a protocol. Go ahead and do it. One of the big things that's helped, and it's come from my previous personal training days a while back, is that 
I like to have the ongoing accountability. Speak to people a couple of times a month, speak to people on a call once a month, ideally get out to go and see them and stay with them for a few days to really show how to implement things. And we can chuck loads of supplements at things. And we, we know supplements are very, very beneficial, but we also have to fix those underlying foundations. So we have to look at the stress that's going on. Is the family on board? Um, is your partner okay with, with if you've got to change some habits nutritionally, if you've got to add some movement in there? Uh, a lot of my clients have a, a personal trainer, but if they need exercise routines, then I've got that history from the athlete background, from the training background. So that's added in. So that's a very long way of saying that it is on a case-to-case -case basis, really. <laughs> when you said initially that you were staying with a client for a full week, now when you say you stay with them, I mean, are you literally at their house and seeing how they live their life? Is that why you're doing it? Yeah. Yeah. So I've had uh, people that one guy last year in Asheville, he wanted me to come over because he was always eating out. So we literally had breakfast, lunch, and dinner out. How could he be healthy if he's actually eating all these meals out? And so we looked at the menus at the places that he's eating, what potential uh, adjustments could he make? What um, changes? I always say that you're paying for this food. Be awkward if you need to. If you need to make an adjustment, you want to have salad rather than fries. You don't want any dressing. Do those things. And then the same thing as well of if they've got training that they need to do and they're saying they can't do it. If I'm there for a week and they can do it for a week, then we know that they can continue that on. I've had people do it as a catalyst of like bookends of, uh, I had a guy in, it was July, um, 2017, we, we'd done the start and then it was 14, 15 weeks later, we'd done a return trip in, in September. I always say we've, we have to do something fun. And that was a trip where we managed to see Iron Maiden in the, in the desert, which was uh, <laughs> awesome. it's a long way to go to see a British band, LA. <laughs> so uh, yeah, like, it, we do something fun <clears throat> because life is pretty serious and we have to realize that part of health is doing stuff with family, giving back. But as I say, I've got my book, The One Day Body Upgrade, and that's based on we're not going to change our body in one day. We're going to change it one day at a time we can do one day, we can do two, we can do three. And it may not be 100% every day. But as I show people when I go stay with them, it's not like your David Goggins, where I'm going into their bedroom and like ripping them out of the bed, like to, to go and run a 10k, 15k, or whatever it is. This is what well, I'll be there to ask the questions as you need to ask. We cook the food together, we, we go to the supplement store if we need to. And do what we need to do over that week to make sure that you know you can continue doing it. And I'm also going to be in your pocket over the phone if you need me as well. And most of my clients have been US-based clients. Uh, I've got clients in Australia, in Taiwan. Like The time zone is a big deal, but I always say to people, message me as you need. And then once I've done my morning routine and I check my phone, I'll message back. So that's that's super interesting that you are effectively an international life coach dealing specifically with health improvement. And one thing that occurred to me when you said that you came to the gentleman in Nashville and you trailed with him as he went to all of these various restaurants. And I'm thinking, okay, so he's coming from Britain and he's stateside and he's watching someone order from all of these different restaurants. And Ken and I talk often about the dangers of 
some of the things that the foods are cooked in, et cetera, yeah. for eating out. And then you mentioned that you have people in Australia, et cetera. What is it like to be able to modify how you help people choose foods that if they're eating out or whatever, because from our experience, eating in Europe is different than eating here. In fact, I would say that mm -hmm. the bread's better in, in Europe than it is mass produced here and, and different things like that. What kind of modifications do you see that you have to do when you deal with the U.S. based client and I don't know if it's seed oils or whatever, but what, you know, what kind of differences do you have to warn people about here maybe versus Britain? Looking into things like the seed oils, the things that they're cooking in, sometimes there isn't an option to get away from them. So we have to like, can we choose different restaurants and stuff, but doing as much as we can. If they're showing signs of autoimmune, then we, we look like we're probably going to have to cut gluten out. But so many times I see people that say they can't do this. I, I get migraines if I have gluten and I'm stressed. And so I cut it out. And I know it's 100% possible to do it because I've done it myself. Mm -hmm. It's hard to go there and then check things. And then some restaurants, like even going to Colombia last year, there was the language barrier there. It's hard to do that, but it's not impossible. And I think some of it comes to self-love. We don't want to be awkward. We don't want to be that frustrating one that goes to the menu and changes the fries for salad, but then also asks for no dressing on the salad. So you can, or dressing on the side, so you can put a little bit on it. Because we aren't just talking calories here, right? You say with seed oils and like inflammatory foods that are potentially they're going to react to. And I say to people, is it worth you standing up, you're paying for this food, they're making a big margin on this food, no doubt about it. But you have it not just cooked the way you want, but you have it so the next day you still feel good. So that it's not taken away from you the next day because you feel lethargic, you've got brain fog, you can't wake up in the morning, the, your sex drive is lower and all these sorts of things. And I think it's a case of, like, yeah, over here in the UK, it's, it's getting closer and closer to the US to eat really, really healthy. But you go to, we just had a, a, a vacation in Cyprus and it was so easy. And actually a lot of the foods just seemed more real and like the way it was cooked. And I think there was more care as well. And I, yeah, I, I think totally agree with are we just becoming, I don't know, just very, mechanical in how we mass produce things more and more that's a big worry well that's this is stuff that eric and i talk about all the time and the fact that i was in portugal this summer and just enjoyed the food and i, I have gluten intolerance so i i'm gluten free mm -hmm. as well and being able to have a croissant fresh baked and have like no issues is wild yeah and then the year before i was in croatia for the baby bathwater event I went there a few days early, same thing. I could eat in Croatia, no issues. And it was, you know, just completely, um, we've talked about the, the massive food complex and what it just has a life of its own here. And these, and oh, yeah. Something I think you go to, um, sorry, um, you, you go to, I don't know, a Whole Foods and you think this is supposed to be a health place as such. And then you go to get their salads. I, I always say to people, don't have an American salad. Like just ha have the leaves and, and like not all like the potato salad and like loads of all the, the additives and stuff on there. Like if we're going to have something, then it, it's going to be, we want a plain salad and then add your dressings on it. Like 
don't go. I've had people say, oh, I've just, I've just had a few salads. And you look at their salads and you think not just is it highly inflammatory foods, it's going to be foods that are really highly calorific as well. So they think they've had, they missed their breakfast because they're maybe doing a bit of intermittent fasting. And then they go and have a couple of salads during the day. And both of those salads are thousand calories or something without even realizing. Then they're having a, a dinner as well and put some olive oil on because they think it's healthy, uh, which it is very, very healthy if you've got the right quality of it. But because of the extra calories, they're then getting into three and a half, four thousand calories without even realizing it. But they think they've had two salads and then a big evening meal and just overeating happens. You've you've mentioned uh, and I think this kind of coincides here. You've mentioned in uh, on a couple of those other podcasts that I listened to the incorporation for some people to remember that while they're going, that they still need to take time for themselves to reflect either whether it be through meditation or different things like that. And, and, uh, I have been at this intersection before. I feel like, of course, that sounds great. I don't know that I have time, but just like you said, maybe you have to find the incremental places where you can meditate. And you said it yourself that people rush or that we're trying mm -hmm. to find ways to make a meal happen quickly. And what we've lost and Ken and I've talked about this is the ritual of enjoying a meal. There's truly to sit down with a meal where there is nutrition and you're going to eat it, especially if you're going to eat it with someone, there's a ritual to sitting and enjoying the meal. And that would allow you to take care as you prep your food, yeah. be thoughtful, be mindful as, as I choose olive oil over this bottle of Seven Seas Ranch or something else like that. It's just filled with, who knows, you know, soybean oil and other shit like that. I think that we could take a lesson from ourselves that if you're not going to slow down today, slow down for the meals that you eat with someone. And it seems like oh, that yeah. we start to do that. I think we have our phones out all the time. In fact, uh, I know we said about uh, Stephen Kuhn on the, uh, the guy we said about earlier, and I went to his place in Budapest and on mm. the testimonial he'd done with me, he mentioned this. So he won't mind me saying it is that one of the things he said is I'm, I'm always hungry. And then I was eating up the table with him and he's there just scrolling through his phone. Uh, we're looking at different ways to just keep our brain going rather than being present in the moment. And um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm religious. Like I started going to church in March. And beforehand, I used to do breathing and stuff beforehand. And if you'd have told me in February that I'd be saying I'm religious on a podcast, yeah, whatever. But I now go to church regularly. And so I pray before meals. And that pattern interrupt of whether you're praying or doing a couple of breathings, uh, breathing sessions, like a few breaths in and out, just helps you go from fight or flight into rest or digest mode. But not just that. When we look at relationships and the connections in this world, that I was in a restaurant last night and I looked around and there was a table of four or five people. They're all on their phones. There's no conversation happening. And you don't want to peer into what they're actually doing, but they're just scrolling Instagram. It's not like they're doing work emails, which again, I want to switch off and, and not have that work side of things when I'm spending time with my wife. But how present are we in this world? There's, there's a film called The Peaceful Warrior. Uh, and it's a true story. Um, there's a book as well by Dan Millman. And he talks in there, he's got this gymnast and there's a guy that he calls Socrates. 
and he pushes him in, in the water. He's walking through a park and pushes him in the water. He's like, what were you thinking there? It's nothing. Exactly. You were in the moment. You were living in that moment. You weren't in the future. You weren't in the past. Then he said, what's going on? And then walking through this park and he said, he said, there's nothing going on. There's never nothing going on. There was a bee collecting uh, pollen. There was um, some birds that were, were tweeting away. There was a couple that looked like they were having their first kiss. There was a squirrel gathering nuts, all these things that are going on, but we're not present enough. And it's not to say that I'm not guilty of it. There'll be times that I was walking in for a meeting today and I was um, texting one of my mentors back and forward. And still, like, there's a book called The Comfort Crisis, Michael Easter. I think it's been the last year or two that's been um, released. I only listened to it recently. But sometimes we're scared of actually being in silence now, actually living with our own thoughts, we need things to just get them pushed out of the way. And how that he went on a hunt and people are spending two, three weeks on a hunt and end up that there's a lot of time when you're having to sit there and hunt deer for hours and hours. There's a lot of time that you're there with yourself. In fact, I've got a, uh, I say a client, a friend who I consulted with, who's, you heard of the show Alone? Oh, yeah. 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 So that's done the first one over here in the UK. And one of my friends who he's got a desert island retreat business, he was just on the the UK one. So they were over in the wilderness in Canada. And you see people tapping out after two or three days purely because of their own thoughts. (laughs) That's worrying, right? (laughs) If I can't live with myself for two or three days, how does my wife, how does she manage 10 years? (laughs) Exactly. You know, when you're talking about there's a couple things about the clients that you work with. So our field is gut health and microbiome of gastroenterologists. And so our research is in this. And Eric and I just did a show where genetically you and I are 99% different, but the genome and our microbiome could be 90% different. It's, I'm sorry, we're 99% the same, oh, but good. our microbiome could be 90%. I didn't know what kind of species Ken was yeah, there was, for a second. I was getting ahead of myself then, yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah, so we're identical genetically, but our microbiomes, the genome that they make up could be 90% different. And when you start thinking about that, if you have dysbiosis or an issue with your microbiome, you've got this high-performing person that is, you know, waking up after being kind of stressed out all night, waking up, hitting that coffee right away, not allowing the adenosine to, to get in there. They're, I mean, I'm totally guilty of this. If I'm out like at one of the events... I tend to, and I have a few cocktails, I stay up late and I dance, I have fun. Those next days, my cravings for shit food are just through the roof. And then they're eating there and then they're winding down with some alcohol. So if we do this, all those things that you're trying to get them not to do, not only does that affect them directly, but it affects their microbiome and actually just that whole not having the lifestyle. So now you may not be able to produce as much dopamine because it requires, you know, L-tyrosine to be converted to dopamine. And it just, it got me thinking that everybody's just trying to get a little bit of a dopamine kick because they're, they're lacking in it. I don't know. Yeah. And also when we then look at like methylation and and converting raw materials into usable form, essentially, where where do we go back? And we look at liver function and kidney function and and the alcohol is then knocking that down. Then living in in the city and and you have the diesel fumes and, and loads of toxins that we're exposed to day in, day out. But it seems that people, we just want to take a supplement for it. And the supplements are going to help. But 
the underlying foundations. I have an analogy in my book about Mount Everest. Absolutely. I'm going to say I love the thought of climbing Mount Everest now. It's still something that I want to do on my 47th birthday, but the last two years I hold my hands up and I've not made any progress towards it. But when you go to Everest, you have to go to base camp and acclimatize. It takes 12 days to get to base camp when you trek. It takes eight days to get back. So actually going downhill is faster. So actually we need these foundational levels of health and you have to acclimatize. Then when you climb Mount Everest, you have to go to camp one. You do these rotations, these loops, and you come back down and reacclimatize. You go up to camp two, then back down. And then you do a third loop up to camp three. Some people come back down and do a fourth loop, but some people go from camp three to camp four, death zone and, and summit. Now, most of these things, if we look at this in an entrepreneurial way, those camps are launches, new business ventures, exit plans, hiring clients, or hiring staff, all these different things that we have to do. And we have to make sure that we're pushing for this. Maybe they're then going to add a, a fitness thing in there or a, yeah, we say fitness loosely when it comes to like, we're going to run a marathon, ultra marathon, or do a bodybuilding show or photo shoot, whatever it is. We, we, we try and climb the mountain without acclimatizing. We're pushing and pushing. And what we forget about as well is that most of the deaths on Everest happen on the way down because their goal was to climb Everest. Their goal is to get this launch for like a seven-figure launch or whatever it is to do. And then afterwards, they've got no eye on the ball. The goal for me would be to climb Mount Everest and get back down safely. But a lot of people, the goal is to get to the, the summit, get to the top, get to the most highest point on earth. But then they take their eye off the ball when they're coming down. What happens? What is the goal after the goal? And I see that a lot with entrepreneurial ways is that first off, we don't acclimatize at base camp. We're not doing that 80%. We're going straight up to go to camp one, two, three, four, and then to summit. And some people make it. You see people that have done crazy things like um, gone and run up Everest, like the Wim Hof side of things, like mm -hmm. running up in your shorts. Like, absolutely crazy. But it's awesome to see those things happen. But so many people are trying to climb the mountain, not just without acclimatizing, but they're trying to climb the mountain without getting cold. And that's not going to happen. We have to respect where our body is at and push it forward one step at a time. You, you look at the your microbiome how much lack of diversity are we seeing in people's microbiomes now? You'll, you'll know the answer more than me, but it seems that we're just not eating the, the raw materials as well. And actually giving our body the chance to be diverse in the microbiome. So how are we going to expect to get the right dopamine and then get it to our brain as well? How is it actually going to, going to work? Yeah. And that's, I mean, at the um, baby bathwater in Croatia, me, Emil Hudsovic, and yep. um, wellness mama, we did we did one about like anti aging, and mine was like how the microbiome keep your microbiome young to keep yourself young. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's uh, I, that obviously wasn't recorded. I wish I was there now. <laughs> <laughs> you know I, what? I, I like Emil. We we uh, we met at one of the first baby bath wars. We literally the day before we were in the hotel. And I think there were so many people still asleep. I went outside for a coffee. He went outside for a coffee. And it was there was 200 different people there. And the two guys into health, literally, we, we just connected there. Oh, We've been connected awesome. since. So, You know, uh, with the way you're talking about, and it just dawned on me, it hit me there. Because when you said when somebody climbs the mountain, you know what happens so often is, is that it's the 
uh, anticipation of something. It's the preparedness. It's the work towards something that we know is dopamine related. And a lot of times you build up to this thing. It's like going to the moon. Then you come back and you're like, well, what now? And what I like about your program is you're doing small, obtainable wins, which will always keep that dopamine motivation going so you can keep making it to that next base camp, which is really, um, you, you have the, you're, you're teaching their brain to work towards something and that is the reward system. Yeah. I think when, when we win on success, like you can hear my dogs in the background, we're not dogs. Like we shouldn't be apologies for that. There's someone who knocked at the door, but, um, <laughs> why do we give ourselves treats as a system to, to reward us? Like we don't have to like sit, give you the poor and have a treat, but we'll, we'll go and we'll have this beer because we want to de-stress after a long day. Oh, I deserve this wine. I deserve these. Like, it's not to say we shouldn't enjoy these things. I still enjoy food. I have foods that I like to go to my favorite restaurant and, and love those foods. But should it be like with this cheat meal analogy after like, every six days and then we have this cheat meal and again like i read um with regards to like there were some studies on uh inflammation and we look at like interleukin leukin six like il6 being like increased it takes about six seven days after having some food that is highly inflammatory for that to go down and then we're having another uh cheat meal out of it depending on how bad the foods are but why do we why do we disrespect ourselves as, as much as that to say that we're going to reward. I, I, I've done it before, not necessarily with food, but I ended up getting in a lot of debt years ago because every time I got a new client, I'd end up spending half the money on a pair of Jordans and ended up having like 50 pairs of Jordans in my closet that I wore like one, one, one per week. And there were ones in there, which I never even knew I had, but it was that reward system, right? We're looking for dopamine elsewhere. And, and where do we get it? Then we get the addictive tendencies uh, that we see a lot of people having nowadays uh, people are, is it addicted to the success when, when is enough enough? I spoke to a client who in three years, he's taken his business from zero to an 8 million turnover. And I was speaking about his success trajectory. And I said, are you satisfied now? He said, yeah, I am. But I wasn't satisfied at like four or 5 million had to push. So he still wants growth of the company, but he's in much better, in a much better mental place now. And his health's in a better place. So he's not just craving dopamine of getting the next thing open, the next landmark in his business. And we can all be guilty of it. I've, I've done things where you get to six figures and then you want to get to seven figures. Well, actually, can I not do the same amount, but working less or same amount with more automation or automation? Sorry, couldn't even speak then. Um, like, can we do the same amount with working less? And a lot of us look at the, the finance as just the way of success. And it's, it's a case of what other markers can we look at? Well, Ali, I really appreciate you uh, making time to visit with us and describe the program. I think that a lot of people will benefit from recognizing when, within themselves if they happen to be suffering from stress if it happens to be a hurdle because it can be overcome and actually i think that people will be more successful in uh, in doing it and you mentioned the book that uh, stephen kuhn uh, encouraged you to write so tell us yep. about it and then uh, let everyone know how they can uh, connect with you well i've got the one day body upgrade it's it's on amazon there is a version one and version two it's the the second one is 
the female version. It's got a few extra chapters in there. Uh, I am, I say I am in the process of rewriting it. I want to rewrite it and add more functional medicine side of things because this was written in 2018 um, when I was just qualified in that. So it was a very much more scratching the surface of health, a little bit about my story, uh, about my dad passing away and what it was like to grow up, what it was like to have anxiety attacks. But it's about if we can move forward, as I've said, one day at a time, we can do one day, we can do two. And so there's the book there on Amazon. We've got ollymatthewshealthcoach.com, which is the launch place for the Optimal Man Club, which is launching, um, I'm assuming this isn't going out right next week, but it's launching in, in, in the near future. And we've got the Optimal Man Podcast, which hopefully when this goes on, it will all be on the uh, on the podcast store. But if anyone wants to get in touch with me, Instagram at Oli Matthews Health Coach and drop me a message. I could chat about this stuff all day. Mm -hmm. So drop me a message, ask any questions, and I'll happily answer them. Well, and you're coming to San Antonio uh, for the the launch, correct? Won't you be in San Antonio? Oh, this, this is a different launch, actually. We're, we're uh, my client, Ron Reich, and myself, we're, we're doing a big month. I forgot about that. Thanks for, for mentioning that. We're doing a, a launch in November for the Limitless Mastermind. So we've got... Um, Ron Reich, uh, ronreich.com. He's, he's my client and has been there since 2015. He's become a mentor, a very, very good friend and longest serving client. I don't expect all clients to stay that long. I want to, I want to get sacked a lot quicker than that because they're, they're doing their thing. Right. But we'd, we've got a few people, including Todd Herman, who, who's going to be speaking at that lineup. And then we're, uh, we've got a mastermind happening off the back of it, which is going to be business mindset and health with some, some really, some, some serious A players that are going in there. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, that's linked to on, on uh, Instagram as well. So if anyone wants to know any more details of that, uh, it is, uh, having to chat with Ron, uh, just like with baby bath where we want to make sure the right people are there. Uh, but if they want information about that, drop me a message and I'll introduce you personally to, to Ron, who will get on a call to, to get you there. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Third cool. till 5th of November. Yeah, well, whenever you come to Texas, then you have to come up here and uh, hang out with Ken and I for a little while. So, it, uh, oh, definitely, yeah, it'd be awesome. Well, yeah. Ken, no, I think that's great. You covered a ton. I just encourage everybody to go to the book so that they can get those bite-sized, small incremental changes to improve their life. So, really appreciate you taking the time. And this is, uh, I can't wait to see what you're going to do with the Optimal Man Club and see where you're taking this. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate you having me. Hey, just a side note for anybody, because we, we do have a relatively large uh, audience, most of it here in, in Texas, that is. I, mo I should say most of our audience is in Texas. but Texas is a big place. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a big bigger place. than the UK, right? Have you, I believe so, at least geographically. Uh, have, yeah. Has anyone ever told you that you have a, a visual likeness to Cliff Kingsbury? I don't have a clue who that is. <laughs> He's the, he uh, he was a a quarterback and a uh, and a head football coach for for Texas Tech for several years. So anyway, he's okay. Ollie, I didn't have a clue who that was either. So that's why I was like, what? <laughs> oh yeah, I, I could see a little bit of a likeness there. That was. I'm uh, happy to be like uh, likened to a quarterback from from the NFL. Well, you know, sometimes. Uh, things go over well and Ken plays along and sometimes they don't. So there's that. <laughs> well, hey, Ollie, thank you so much for joining us today. That's going to do it for this episode of the Gut Check Project. We will see y'all next time. 
That's a wrap for this episode of the Gut Check Project, and we appreciate you for being a part of it. Be sure to follow us on your favorite platform for podcasts. You can find the GCP on Locals, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Rumble, and more. And you can always check out gutcheckproject.com to find all episodes and interact with the show. Tell your friends and family not to wait to get Gut Checked.